This episode is brought to you by Spartan Combat. Go to SpartanCombat.com to order your custom team apparel for the 2022-2023 season. On Spartan Combat's Instagram, they just dropped some new singlets. They're fire. They're beautiful. SpartanCombat.com for your custom team apparel order. Now, on to this interview with Bo Nickel. Before the match started, I just remember um, being, like, more nervous for than any anything I've ever felt. Just because it's the biggest moment in my career, you know, the team titles online. I don't even care about me winning the national championship. I'm, I'm here for the team. So it's that big of a moment. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to, like, get my mind right. And Coach Kale comes up to me, and he goes, what's up, man? How you doing? And I'm like, I'm good, Coach. What's up? He goes, hey, I just want to let you know. If I had to put anybody out there right now, I would pick you. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredients. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. As always, we're presented by Spartan Combat. Folks, we have an all-time interview. I just recorded this about 15 minutes ago with Bo Nickel, three-time NCAA champ, one of the hottest MMA prospects in the world. And this interview is all-time. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. All-time. I love this conversation. I know you will as well. Let's get to the goods with Bo Nickel. Before we do, fan of the week goes to Brian S., who left an Apple podcast review from Central California. I'm completely new to the sport of wrestling, but I've fallen in love due to this podcast. The interviews and storylines are amazing, and I simply can't get enough. would highly recommend this for any new parents of youth wrestlers like me or those who want to learn more about the sport. Brian, that's why we're doing this, baby. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone who's left an Apple podcast review. Now let's get on to this interview with Bo Nickel, one of the best to ever do it. Ladies and gents, Bo Nickel. All right, Bo Nickel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Much appreciated. Excited to be, be here and talk with you for a minute. Absolutely, man. First of all, congrats on an exciting start to your career. I know you just got another fight book for Dana White's Contender Series, and the last one went well. So congrats, man. It's exciting to see you doing well out there. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a been a fun transition. Obviously, uh, haven't been in this MMA game super long, but it's going well, so I'm I'm enjoying it for sure. Well, dude, one of the things I see you see you doing, and something 
the great magic man has done for a while is go to coach Cal's garage and get some workouts and bro, how hard are those workouts when you step in that garage? Oh yeah. Those are, those are the real deal. I mean, I've been in a lot of, a lot of workouts in my life, done a lot of hard things. And I would say that, you know, the garage workouts are truly second to none. And uh, yeah, been fortunate to, you know, get to know coach Cal really well. Uh, sometimes it seems a little too well, just based on uh, those, how those workouts go. But yeah, very grateful to have him in my corner and have him helping me out. So how often are you going out there? Um, well, I mean, I'm in communication with him every day, pretty much, you know, just discussing my uh, training cycle, my, my weight, my nutrition, strength conditioning, everything. So, I'm, but as far as actually being out there, I'm probably out there a couple of times a year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm mainly in state college still. So, I mean, I'm traveling a lot for training, but I would say 80, 90% of my time spent in state college. And then I bounce down to Florida once in a while at the American top team. Then I'm out in Cali once in a while too, to train with training lab. Dude, you're on the move, making things happen. Like I said, man, the MMA career is just getting going. I was stunned to see the American top team facility open near Penn state. That was incredible. What happened there? Yeah, well, it actually started off um, 2019. I, as soon as I graduated college, I think I just put out a tweet like, hey, like I'm planning on doing the Olympics and then I want to fight. And so at that point, I had a bunch of managers uh, and agencies reaching out to me, wanting to represent me and stuff. And I got in touch with first round management based in Miami. Um, and they, I got good vibes from them right away. They rep a lot of you know high, high level uh, fighters. At the time, John Jones, Demetrius Johnson, Maz Vidal, you know, Anthony Pettis. So tons of tons of top level guys. And so um, I went down and met with them and they actually uh, my manager, Malki Kawa, I, I signed with them and they introduced me to Dan Lambert, who he's uh, the founder of American Top Team and um, got to go to the main ATT headquarters and meet with them and then went to a Miami football game with with Dan and a, a crew. And then I just told him it was actually kind of initially my manager asked me like, what I wanted to do for training. And I was like, well, I mean, I would like to stay in state college if I can. And he was like, what would you think about building a gym out there? And I was like, well, that would be ideal. So then uh, that was why he introduced me to Dan. And then um, at that point I kind of, we pitched it to Dan and Dan was like, dude, that's an amazing idea. Like I love it. I'm all in. And so <laughs> it was like right away, like we vibed, we clicked. And, you know, we'd obviously kind of prefaced them on, uh, preface Dan on what we were trying to do, but, um, he just wanted to meet me and stuff and see what I was about. And we immediately got on grade. And then, uh, that was like summer or that was like early fall of 2019. And then from there, um, I just told him that, you know, I'm planning on wrestling the Olympics and, uh, you know, I'm still training freestyle full-time at this point. I hadn't done any MMA training. And so, then we, we started putting together plans to get the gym built. So we got a, a spot, like a, some land and stuff. And then um, COVID hit. So everything got pushed back like a full year, you know, like Olympic trials did. And so did the building of the gym. So it was supposed to be August of 2020 when it got finished out. It ended up finishing out August of 21. And then, yeah, it was kind of a smooth transition for me with the Olympic trials being in April. I had some injuries and stuff, so I took some time off. And then immediately when it was finished up building, I started training. And, uh, Got it. Man, that is incredible. So, 
I mean, think about the situation for American Top Team to be at the uh, at ground zero for some of the best wrestling in the world going on right now, getting guys coming in to train there. Who were the coaches there? They'd set them up from Florida. Are they local PA guys. No, so we have um, two full time coaches, uh, Marcel Ferreira. He was actually um, in Texas prior to being here, but he ran an American Top Team gym based out of Texas, and he's multiple time jujitsu world champion. So. He handles our grappling and uh, coaches the jiu-jitsu. And then I have another uh, striking coach. His name is Tan. He is a Brazilian guy, but he fights Muay Thai. He lived in Thailand for 10 years, had like 80-plus pro Muay Thai fights, and then um, was traveling the, the country, like teaching after, after that. And then now he's out here full-time. So I have two full-time coaches and then um, another coach who he's – a, he's a teammate of mine, but – He's a collegiate national champion in boxing. And so he's teaching me boxing. So I have a good solid crew of coaches. And then of course, I'm still trained with uh, Nittany Lion Wrestling Club in Penn State as well. And we have the Italian stallion, Anthony Cassar. He's going through it with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Anthony, um, he, he had uh, some shoulder issues, so he hasn't obviously made his MMA debut yet, but he's planning on debuting in December of this year, probably do one amateur fight and then go pro after that. So he uh, is just now like getting back to where he's training hard and getting ready to fight. So yeah, his first, first fight will be in December and yeah, I'm excited to see him get in there. Yeah. That's, I didn't know. I hadn't heard from him for a while, so I don't know what he was, uh, what he was doing, but that's awesome. And he's, uh, he's amazing. And yeah, you don't see many heavyweights with a six pack and have two wins over Gable Stevenson. That's pretty crazy. I would, I think there's only one. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, actually that probably, probably is the case. I don't know how many Gwiz has, but yeah. So, I mean, man, so good things are happening out in Happy Valley and you had an amazing career, but one of the things that I thought was interesting was going back to your rabbit hole, you spent a year wrestling high school, wrestling in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> was that planned? Like, were you just going there to get an eighth grade year in or what was the story behind that? So I actually lived in New Mexico at the time. So I moved to New Mexico in the fifth grade from Wyoming. So I lived there for a few years. My dad was coaching um, the high school team there. And it was, we, we were really in New Mexico because it was a good opportunity um, for my family with uh, my dad's job and a good program, him being able to coach and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I lived there for three and a half years and uh, fortunate, you know, to have the rules where I could compete on the varsity level in the eighth grade. So, yeah, my first year competing varsity, I think I probably got like 40 or 50 matches that year and wrestled 103. But, uh, wow. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but yeah, definitely a fun, fun start to my career. And that was kind of like, I think when I started taking, I mean, I always took wrestling seriously, but it was like, you know, kind of jumped a level at that point. Yeah. I was going to ask you when this, the switch point was, because if you look back at your kids results, obviously you've been, you've been at it for a while, but you know, there's, you know, you jumped crazy levels and we'll get to the world teams. Now, when I was going through it, Riley and Dak Adamson from New Mexico were absolute killers. Are they still around the scene? Um, I don't, I don't think they're around the scene. Um, I think so when we got there, they actually moved like right as we got there and they moved, which is funny enough, they moved to Texas. So it was like, oh, almost, wow. Oh, wow. But I, I never really knew them super well or anything like that. I just know the, um, I mean, of course I seen them at wrestling tournaments and stuff and they were just little, little killers as, as young kids and stuff. But I went to the same middle school as Riley and I just always remember there was this record on like the board. They had like uh, fitness records, like for people that you know ran a mile or did whatever. 
and it just said like pull-ups and it was like 82 Riley asked (laughs) (laughs) this was like a seventh grade grade, like pull-up record and I was just like yo like like I I feel like if somebody that didn't know him just saw that would be like that's must have been 28 like they must have mixed up the numbers but like obviously I knew him from wrestling and so I'm like okay like if anybody can do it I can see him doing it Wow. So man, that, so that's how it started. And then you go to Texas and you beat your first world team in 2012, lose to the Russian in the semis. What'd you take away from that trip? That was honestly a, a super great trip for me just because I got so many matches with international competition. I mean, the, that was my, my first time ever wrestling anybody from a different country, obviously had tons of matches against Americans, but I think like, just getting that experience was super value valuable in that like I kind of knew what I was up against at that point. Like before there's like just a lot of unknowns, a lot of factors. You obviously like we know Russia and Iran have great wrestling, but like you've never been up against anybody. So it's just kind of like this aura, like and it's almost like intimidating to go up against a, a guy like that for the first time because you don't really know anything. It's just like, they might be a killer. They might not like never seen him, no film, no nothing. But I think coming out of that tournament, it really gave me confidence. I was like, I could beat these guys. Like that was obviously I had goals of being world and Olympic champ at a young age. And the first time testing myself, I don't feel like I performed super well, but I felt like, you know, that experience gave me confidence in knowing like, Hey, if, I get back in here and I wrestle to my capabilities. Like, I don't really feel like these guys can hang with me. So yeah, I mean, not a great result, but really important for my development. It's crazy that that's the dude you wrestled in 2019 to win your first title. I know. Yeah. Super nuts. That was like, like, I just remember um, when going into U23, I was like, I didn't really care who was in my bracket. I was like, I'm going to smash these dudes. Like I'm a, three-time NCAA champion. Like I've been through it. These guys don't even know what's coming. And um, so the goal there was I'm not getting a point scored on me. I'm going to take every single guy I wrestle. I don't care who they are. And so then I saw the Russian on the other side and I was like, oh, this guy's like not bad. I watched one of his early round matches. And then I like saw his name on the bracket and I was like, that looks super familiar. And so then I looked him up and then I realized uh, after the semis, I was like, cause it was like, we wrestled to the finals on day one. And then the, that day two was the, was the last match. And so I was like, Oh, like I got to freaking rematch this guy. And I was like, I'm about to smash this dude. It, it got me honestly really fired up, really hyped up. Um, because I was like, this is great. This has been like, I don't, I don't even know, seven years in the making. And now I, I get a rematch. So yeah, it was pretty cool. That's crazy, man. I mean, the chances of that to come full circle are just unbelievable. Yeah, you know who was actually in the cadet worlds that year too was uh, he was I think either a weight or two weights above me was Sajalaya. He destroyed everybody that year, and uh, I think the he maybe even went like senior level the next. I think he went senior level in like 2014 or 2015. So it was soon after that, which was crazy. I remember him, he just killed everybody at that tournament. And I was like, wow, this guy's the real deal. That's insane, man. But you look at some of those old brackets, and I'm sure even guys on your team were, were guys we know about now. Oh, yeah. The team we had was pretty stacked. We had, like, I think Austin, we had Spencer Lee, Austin Gomez, um, Aaron Pico was on the team. Like, we were, we were legit. Like, 
a lot of those guys had, you know, won world titles uh, later after that. So, I mean, the, the team was, the team was stacked, but it was yeah, fun trip for sure. Michich was on the team too, Stevon. So yeah, we had a good time. And then how long after that until the great Kale Sanderson lobs a phone call? So I'm trying to think of timeline wise. So that was, I want to say in between, that was maybe like right after my junior year. Yeah. So it was shortly, shortly after that, that, uh, I got, I got the call. Was it? I'm trying to remember. I get the, I get the timelines mixed up, but yeah, it was, it was shortly after that summer, um, that I got the call and it was kind of funny. I had talked, been talking, you know, with a bunch of other schools, um, here and there. And, uh, a lot of schools were recruiting me really hard, really heavy, like at a young age. And they kind of, Penn State came in late and was like, but I was really holding out for them because, you know, they were at the time the team. So, you know, they kind of came in late to the conversation and fortunately, Oh, you know, I remember the timeline now, actually. So this is kind of a funny story. So before, for the U20 or for the whatever that was, Cadet World Trials was in Akron and Penn State had reached out to me right before that. And they said, I set up a visit. So I set up a visit with Ohio State before the trials in Columbus. And then I wrestled. And then afterwards, I went and visited Penn State. And that was like my first time meeting everybody and talking with the coaches and stuff. And so it was really cool because I got to visit Ohio State, see what I liked there, wrestle in a tournament, obviously one did well so I was in good spirits and then went over to Penn State and uh got to meet them as well which those are my top two schools at that point I was like really unsure between Penn State and Ohio State and then the visit really gave me a lot of clarity so I was able to chat with Coach Kale and then later that summer uh, they they offered me scholarship and I accepted right away I mean look at the the weight class you're at and those coaches it's a no-brainer yeah without a doubt no-brainer I mean and not to mention uh, all the training partners that I had, you know, at that point it was David, Ed Ruth, Quentin Wright, even like Frank Molinaro, the Alton brothers, Matt Brown. Uh, it was just like insane. And then our recruiting class, I think we, we were already either predicted to be the number one recruiting class or the number one recruiting class, like before I even committed. So it was like, at that point, before I committed, we had Nall, we had Nevels, we had Mark Steller, all committed. To, and they, these were all like top 10 pound for pound guys. And then I committed. So I think we had at 1.4 out of the top 10 pound for pound uh, in the recruiting rankings. And then Marcel obviously didn't go. But then, we, you know, in addition to that, we had Shakur Sheed and uh, Anthony Kassar both come in that same class as well. Holy smokes. Who led you on your recruiting trip? I was with, so it, my, my recruiting trip, uh, we came up for Michigan football game and it was a whiteout. It was sick. And my guy was Matt McCutcheon. We, we kind of vibed immediately right away. Uh, just like when I, on my unofficial. And so then he hosted me because he was a freshman that year. And, and uh, it was me. And then the only other recruit on the trip was Ethan Lezak. And then uh, Zane Rutherford hosted Lezak. So yeah, we had a good time. It was super fun. And, and Penn State, they won like a quadruple overtime football game. Whiteout. It was like an unbelievable atmosphere. Dude, those fall football games are unreal in Big Ten country. No doubt. Yeah, that was like – I didn't really, like, care about – I played football in high school and stuff, and, like, my, my football – high school football team was the number one team in the country. So, like, I was used to big football games and stuff. Like, that was something that was, like – but it wasn't really, like – I didn't really think about it 
coming to Penn State, I was like, so I got to the game. They take us down the field, and I'm like, yo, this is another level. Like, this is crazy. It, it was really cool, too, because I was just a recruit. Like, nobody really even should have known me, but, like, a ton of people knew me. They're, like, big-time wrestling fans there, too. So there's, like, a lot of overlap with fan bases. So people were like, yo, can't wait to see you out here and this and that. And I'm like, I don't even know how you guys know me, but they, they just love the sports out here. And you said, you know, Allen High School has 18,000 people in the stands. Football, we know, is massive there. Was wrestling getting any love at Allen back in the day? I would say not too much. Um, I mean, obviously, we had a really great team. Um, we, for, for Texas standards, I, mean, I think this year's like our 13th year in a row winning state championship or something wild. So, you know, we, we've always had a solid program and a lot of good guys coming out of there. We, we didn't really get a ton of people at our matches. I would say, like, a little later in my career, like, I, I would kind of bring bring more people out. Like, more people would come to watch me and stuff. Um, but we, we didn't really compete at home a lot, even. Like, we were all over the place um, competing in Oklahoma, wrestling in Kansas City Stampede, wrestling Ironman. We wrestled at Zinken Memorial in Cali. We wrestled at the Cheesehead. Like, we were all over. I mean, we really only did our districts, regionals, and state, like, in state we maybe did one other tournament like the whole year so wrestling people like didn't know a lot about wrestling but i think when i started coming up i started getting recruited heavy and um i also played football for two years so like people knew me and stuff and then we, we started getting a few more kids and uh fans towards like the end of my career and that's a full-on national schedule i didn't know you guys were were traveling to that extent and so once you got to penn state you know you were world level national level what was the first semester like? Were you ready for the workouts and, and living away from home and all that? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for me, it was coming into college. It was all about wrestling. I was like, I'm here to be a four-time NCAA champion. I don't give a crap about anything else. You know, the college lifestyle, this and that, like, don't mean nothing to me. I'm, I'm here to wrestle. And uh, obviously, you know, take care of my school, take care of my grade. Like that goes without saying, but um, my main focus priority, everything was wrestling. So, you know, I, I, I had an easy, easy transition relatively, especially with the guys on the team. We had a lot of great leaders at that, at that point. And uh, I came out in the summer, so I was able to do the summer session and get a few credits uh, underneath my belt, get used to kind of the scheduling and, and the workouts and all that while there wasn't really a ton going on uh, on campus and based on my teammates. And so that was a really good thing that uh, I did just because it's like, I would say lower pressure. I was only taking maybe two classes versus a full course load of four or five. And so getting that little uh, kind of test in the summer helped me a lot. And then to be honest, wrestling wise, a lot of people say like they go into college and, they're like getting their butt kicked or not getting takedowns or getting smoked all the time and getting smashed. And I, I did pretty well. I mean, relative to, I was in there to compete. Like I didn't care who I was, who I was wrestling against. Yeah. I took my lungs. Yeah. I got beat up here and there, but like I was in there ready to grind right away. Like, you know, especially with uh, the guys around my weight class that were older seniors, Matt Brown, he used to kick my, kick my butt a little bit. It would be like, I would be getting smashed, but it would be like I was still kind of in there, you know. And uh, then I wrestled Coach Kale, Coach Casey. Those guys, 
were a little too big for me at that point. So I kind of give myself a pass wrestling, to, you know, Coach Kale at 220-ish, whatever he is. So, um, but yeah, it was all fun and all exciting for me to kind of make that transition. And I was just all in from the jump. And if you're all in like that, I got to imagine you're thinking ahead a lot. How often are you visualizing and, and, and getting into self-talk and that kind of thing? Oh, a ton. That's something that, that I, I kind of did on my own prior to, uh, to getting to Penn State, like without really knowing any of the reasoning behind, I would just, you know, visualize myself like from a kid. Like I remember I would visualize myself like winning Tulsa Nationals or something like that when I'm like seventh grade. And so like, I kind of always did that growing up unknowingly, like just because I just naturally kind of did it. And then when I got to school, that was something that we, we preached big time. So we actually had like a big podium that's set up in our wrestling room that we can, we can stand on the top of the podium after every practice and, and visualize and our coaches all, all preach that. And we have a great uh, sports, sports psychologist, uh, Bonnie. I, I don't even know if I would call her sports psychologist. She's more of just somebody to, to help you with anything. And, um, as a freshman, you, you're required to meet with her. So I was meeting with her regularly and she gave me a ton of tools to use in that regard that I could, uh, apply to, you know, help my mindset and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I was really, I would say, you know, it actually, I started getting better at wrestling when I worried about it a little less. Cause I was like way hyper-focused, like almost too much. Like I couldn't relax. And I uh, put a lot of pressure on myself. So like from the jump, it was all full, 100% all in. And it, I think it was actually healthier for me later in my career when I, I took like a little step back and relaxed a little bit. It was, uh, I, I got better results. Kind of loosen the grip a little bit. Definitely. I mean, it, I would say it was more to do with my mindset as far as feeling the pressure because, you know, I think a lot of people expected me to do big things in college. Like, you know, they expected me to do well, but what I expected of myself was I expected to be a four-time undefeated national champion. Like that was it. It was four-time undefeated national champion or I'm a failure. And uh, so I was just so all in on that. And I just put so much pressure on myself that I think during my freshman year, I didn't, there were matches where I didn't perform to my le the level I could have because I was, I was way too focused on winning and losing. I mean, especially my national finals match, I, I go, I go back to that match all the time and think about it and coming into the match, I just kept telling myself, like, you deserve this. You, you worked so hard. You, you definitely, you, you sacrificed more than this guy. You have a better coach, better coaches than this guy. You have better partners than this guy. You, you're a better wrestler than this guy. Just go be a better wrestler than him, this and that. And I'm like telling myself all this, which, you know, for the most part, like, like all that stuff's true and all that stuff is, is true, but I think I was, I was so like hyper-focused on it that I, I forgot, like, if I'm going to win the match, I just got to go out and score more points, you know? So it was like, I was putting all this extra pressure on myself instead of just focusing on the task at hand and what I needed to do. I kind of let the moment be bigger than me. And that's something that I regret that I wish I could have done differently, but I'm also grateful for it because it was a, it was a big lesson that I needed to learn. I think I, I needed to learn it in that moment that was, you know, high pressure situation. So now I know how to handle those a lot better. So you still think about it that, that frequently. Oh yeah. All the time. I mean that when, when I say like, that was my goal coming in like four time national champion, like that was it. Like that's all I had. And uh, it was really my identity. And so, you know, to have it be that for a long time 
losing losing that match in the finals the way I did, not only the way I lost it, but to a guy that I've beaten so many times. I literally wrestled him in the Big Tens two weeks earlier, and I pinned him in 45 seconds. So it was like probably like the most one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, and just devastating moment. And, and uh, afterwards, I was super depressed. I was like really really down on myself to the point where I just like couldn't really I was still functioning and stuff but I couldn't really like think about anything else it was like every day like I would have I was having nightmares like it was bad and uh the only reason I got out of it was because I just like in the middle of summer I was like yo you got three more years are you gonna keep like being a baby and feeling sorry for yourself and is this gonna like you're gonna be you're gonna quit or like you're gonna just get back on the horse and and get to training hard and do the next best best thing which is be a three-time national team like what are you going to do? And I just, I'm not that, I'm not that guy that's going to get hung up on that. And so, yeah, I mean, I just threw myself back into focusing on wrestling and really I didn't have my mindset changed until it's kind of a weird story, but I come all the way back to the big 10 semi um, that next year, my sophomore year. And I was having like the most killer season ever. Yeah, I pinned Sammy Brooks. I pinned Nolan Boyd. I majored TJ Dudley. I'm like smacking these dudes. Like, like and, and, and Gabe Dean's out of my way and I'm like, yo, I'm coming for you, bro. Like, like I was super motivated and I wrestled miles again in a duel. I beat him eight to two, like easy match and dominated him. And so I was like really feeling, feeling good about myself. And I was also working on a lot of other things, um, in my life, just my mindset, my, my faith, uh, kind of, I guess it was, I've always had faith, uh, but it kind of was re-energized that year. And um, so I get to the Big Ten semis against Miles again, and I'm like halfway through the match, and it's just not going my way. Um, he, he's just wrestling a really good match, and he beats me. And it was it was the weirdest feeling ever because up until that moment, I've never had a match where I walked off the mat and lost, and I felt like not. I wouldn't say I felt okay with it. I was still super frustrated, but I was more at peace with it. Because I felt like it didn't that losing that match, I was like, that's not that that doesn't change my identity. Like that doesn't change who I am. And so it was actually it, it losing that match was was another one that was really important because the the last match I lost to the same guy like crushed me. It like brought me down to like absolute zero. Like I felt like very worthless. And then you know because I had strengthened my faith and and because I had. I think a better mental space. I lost the match and it was like immediately, like I wasn't really like a thrown a fit. I was like, okay, like on to the next, like I didn't, I didn't do well. Like what do I need to do better? And um, that was kind of a, a big moment for me. Cause I had never really, I think it, it just, I just knew I had matured a lot. Wow. That is a, thank you for sharing that. So that was your sophomore year. You lost what in the semis or the finals of Big Tens? Yeah, I lost in the semis of Big Ten. So it was actually crazy. I tore my freaking LCL like in the first period of the match and it like popped on me like real bad. And I was just like kind of wobbling around on it. And I just like I knew I knew coming out of the match, I was like, I did everything I could to win that match. Like it just didn't go my way. Um he wrestled great. That was probably the best match he wrestled. I think the two matches that he beat me were the best matches he wrestled in his whole career. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he wrestled out and uh, I didn't. And so I, I, I just walked off feeling like 
Hey man, like I, I gave my best and I was at peace with it. I was upset, but I was at peace with it. Wow. And so, but going back to that loss in 2016, that was in March, you were still thinking about it in the summertime. Oh, I, I, I'm, I still think about it all the time. Like, no joke. It's, I think people, they, I, I look at it with a different perspective than I did when I first went right after the loss in the immediate months following, like, I'm not kidding. I would literally wake up every day and think about that match. Like from when I lost in March, all the way through, like probably like July. Like every day, that was like all I thought about how, how like much that hurt. And I would have, I would have nightmares where I, the same thing would happen. And then the worst part was I would actually have dreams where I won the match and it would be like, like, I would be so, so happy and feel so great. I would dream I won the match and I would wake up and I would like be devastated because I realized like it was just a dream. Holy smokes. I took it very, and, and, and even my mindset changed from my, that the next time I wrestled him in the duel, I was like, like, yo, I'm going to kill this guy. Like I'm, I was like being mean to him, like shoving his face in the mat, like mad returning him hard and stuff. And then, uh, I, I think that I, I just needed to do a lot of maturing, uh, mentally in, you know, my mindset and how I approached not only like wrestling matches, but just competing in general. Um, and luckily, you know, I, I, I still had to take another loss to be able to learn that lesson, but, it really kind of confirmed everything that I felt like I needed to do growth wise in, in all of those aspects was when I lost the next time and how I handled it and how I bounced back. So what do you think changed for you? Um, I would definitely say the biggest thing was, well, there, 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 there was two things. So how I looked at competition um, as more as the funnest part of what I do, like, I always enjoyed competition the most, but I would say mentally, I never like recognized that it was my favorite thing. It was like, this is really fun and this is exciting for me, but I didn't like, I, I didn't like let myself enjoy it. And then the other, the other most important thing was that I just got, I felt like I got right with God in that um, I kind of just started asking myself questions like, Hey, like, what do I expect of myself out there? Well, what does God expect of me? And then it was like, all right, well, if this is what I expect of myself and it's different from what God expects of me, that's not right. Like I need to get those aligned. So I started um, after, for the NCAA tournament that year, I just told myself before every match, I just asked myself a question. I just say, what does God expect you to do out there? And I just, and I just said, would, would tell myself, he just expects me to give my absolute best, give hundred percent effort. That's all I, cause that's all I can do before I would expect to win, you know, like that was my whole thing was like, I had to win. And I realized that didn't really align with God's beliefs and, and what he thinks of me. So for me, it was, he just expects me to do my best. And so that's kind of what became my mantra. And I spoke that to myself, not only through that NCAA tournament, my sophomore year, but every match after that. And every single time I compete from now on, I always tell myself that. Wow. That's awesome. That is really powerful. It's a great lesson for younger wrestlers who are listening and a lot of parents whose, whose kids are listening. Now, knowing that in your corner, going through all of this, this kind of like real kind of turning point moment, you know, Kale Sanderson's nearby and, and, you know, I've never talked to him, but what, what you read is that after he had won four and he's gearing up for Athens, he started to feel like wrestling was work and he wasn't enjoying it as much. And he was taking some losses and it wasn't, you know, a fun thing for him. 
<clears throat> not saying that competition was never fun for you because it sounds like it was, but you changed your mindset on how you viewed competition. And I think he did as well. How, like, what was he saying to you throughout this whole, this whole discovery process? Yeah. Um, he, he gave me so much good advice and so many things that were, were super beneficial for me. Um, the, the one thing before, before matches specifically that I always remember him saying was, uh, basically just to like get to my tie up and get to my, and, and control the ties, get to my shot and, and start with, start small, like just start with the little things. So like wrestling specifically, it was like start little because I always like had the big move capability and I was always able to like do, do big moves, put people on their back, pin them. But it, sometimes I felt like I had to do that to win the match for, for and the only reason I felt like I had to do that was because I really wasn't thinking through the whole process of like what a match is. Right. So like when he would tell me just like, you know, start small and build up, start small and build up, like just get a takedown, build up. That made me realize I'm like, yo, I'm actually just like, I can actually just go out there, get to my tie, focus on getting a takedown. And then like the bigger stuff will come later. And that's actually, so my freshman year, I only got eight pins. And after that, every single year after that, I was at like minimum 15. So like I doubled my pins like every year. I think my, my sophomore year, I had like 20 pins. So, um, and I'd heard you say in another podcast that when you were younger, you were doing that because you were maybe a little bit scared of not, not scared of the guy, but scared of like, maybe you didn't have it. So you wanted to end it early. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a mindset of mine was like, it was like, I knew I had that capability. So it was like almost a crutch to fall back on because if I, if I went out there and I like went for a throw and didn't get it and I got caught, it would be like, I could go, go off the mat and be like, well, I tried. Like, it wasn't like I just stalled. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I just, you know, got beat up. Like I tried and he caught me. Like I almost had that excuse like preloaded in my mind where if I just go for something crazy and I don't get it, well, Hey, at least I went for something crazy, like go big or go home. Mm -hmm. And that changed. It changed me a lot feeling like, like I don't have to do that, but I can still do it because I had built my reputation up and I had built my skill set up to where people knew like, if they were to like lock up with me, like that's not good news for them. But then for me now it was like, all right, just build into that. Don't you, you have better skills in other areas too than these guys you're in better shape. And so you don't need to do it all in 30 seconds. You can do it in the, the last minute of the third period. You know, you, you can still be dangerous every single second rather than trying to go for broke all in a, in a minute. But you know, I mean, even, what's cool about it is that you always had that in your back pocket if you needed it. And that's why, as I'm getting ready for this interview, I'm watching these matches and I, you know, this is a time of year where like wrestling's not top of mind. So I'm a little bit in a wrestling lull, bro. Your matches brought me back to why I love it. I'm in here screaming, watching YouTube, got the fiance in the other room. She's wondering what's going on. I mean, even in the match in 2016, there's back and forth. And then I jumped to 2018 and I get chills talking about 2018 because Team title on the line, Ohio State, Penn State, all year scrapping. Bro, that moment in that match, I, I listened to a broad, it must have been a Penn State broadcast. The guy's going crazy. I've never seen more energy in an NCAA final than that 2018 match. Man, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, I look back at that match and I'm so, so grateful for, for so many things, but it was such a culmination of, my whole um 
career and really like my mindset shift um, because, you know, that, that's my rival. That's like the guy that like I got to beat. And when it comes down to it, like it's, it's me and him, it's the team title. It's that loss in my freshman year. Like I get the chance to rewrite it. And it, it's kind of funny. If you go back and look at every match um, from that tournament that I had, I was not wrestling good. I had uh, no, no pins leading up to that. I had two major decisions. I won a decision 14-7 over Max Dean, which is a guy, my teammate now, but he was a freshman at that point. Like, I, I should be trashing that, dude. I should, be, I should be getting points for my team. So I did not have a great tournament leading up to that point. And now I'm against my number one rival uh, in the finals. And, uh, and on your back yeah, a little I, bit. On your back a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Woo. But uh, before before the match started, I just remember um, being like more nervous for than any anything I've ever felt, just because it's the biggest moment in my career. You know, the team titles online. I don't even care about me winning the national championship. I'm I'm here for the team. So it's that big of a moment, and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like get my mind right. And Coach Kale comes up to me and he goes, "What's up, man? How you doing?" And I'm like. I'm good coach what's up he goes hey i just want to let you know if i had to put anybody out there right now i would pick you and i was like let's go let's like, go let's go like, i was like it's over like i'm taking this match i don't care what i have to do like i'm i'm taking this match and the create and, and then the craziest thing was like miles came out ready to go like that was like the best he's he's felt like off the bat like he pushed me off the mat right away like i'm, I'm just really like loose relaxed because i know like i'm gonna get this dude tired and uh, I don't need to push like too hard at the beginning. I can just, you know, do my thing. And in the third period, if I need to get three takedowns, I'll, I'll do it. I'll smash them. Mm-hmm. And so real relaxed, real chill. And he shoots that, he shoots a shot. And I'm thinking like, I had to kind of visualize myself hitting that move on him before. And so I was thinking, I was like, okay, well I'm good here. Like I'm going to go for it. And if I don't get it, I'll belly out and he'll get, or he'll get two. Honestly, I wasn't even really thinking that. It was just kind of like a position I like. Mm-hmm. So I almost just reacted. It wasn't even like, I didn't really feel like I was going for broke or anything. And I go to hit it. He sprawls heavy because he was, he was on that fast twitch reaction, you know, um, all, I'm sure all hyped up with uh, adrenaline and stuff. So he was reacting quick. So he sprawls, I bail down or I belly down. And I just remember just being like so relaxed. It was like a, in the practice, like, in, like just like another day in practice at that point. Cause I do this all the time. Like literally I've been doing that move since I was six. So <laughs> he jumps back on me, boom, flipping through. And as soon as, as soon as I felt him come on me and as soon as I felt him lift, I was like, yo, I'm about to pin this guy in the national freaking finals. Like before it even happened and then flip him through, catch him, pin him. And then I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like everything's quiet. Like I can't hear anything. Like I'm sure the crowd was like going nuts and stuff, but all I hear or all I do is see my coaches I'm just like, I got to like just celebrate with these guys. So I run over, snatch up Coach Casey. And then Coach Kale hits the fastest like drop double leg on me and lifts me up in the air. And uh, <laughs> it was the best feeling ever. That was like literally, um, you know, I, I still have more more moments in my athletic career left, but that would be hard to beat. I plan on beating it in some way, but it'll be hard to beat. <laughs> Man, that is a just amazing your your ability to remember all these key moments and it's probably because you're so relaxed and you're so lucid out there 
But yeah, you watch that and I'll send you the, the link I watched this Penn State broadcast. I It's literally like a 30 for 30 moment when you listen to this guy. It's unbelievable. And yeah, man, it was just such a cool moment to watch and to know the team race was going on. And, you know, we didn't even talk about 2017 where you guys had maybe one of the best finals performances of all time, five on the uh, five on the board. So 2018, you guys are running it back. Man, that was incredible. The only other moment, wrestling moment, I have to talk to you about, and I don't know where this goes on your radar because you weren't wrestling for Penn State, but man, at the Olympic trials, when you and Zahid squared off, center mat, I remember an energy in the place that you see like maybe once a tournament, and this was that match. Dude, what do you remember from that one? Well, that's funny because that one actually starts off a lot earlier. It starts off uh, the story from that one in, I believe, 2016, maybe 2017. Uh, so we, my, my, all my buddies, Noel, Vincenzo, Mark Hall, Anthony, they were all getting ready to compete in the junior world trials. And I was not training at all. This was like a couple months after the folk style season. I hadn't trained in probably four or five weeks. I was just chilling, uh, running around doing camps, doing clinics and stuff and just taking my time off. And, uh, I got back and it was like Monday and they were like, yo, we're leaving Thursday for the junior world trials. And I was like, Oh, that's coming up. <laughs> and then I was kind of like, you all are all going like, I might as well go like, whatever. Like I'm the best dude. Like I'll just go win. Like I'll just go win and make a team. <laughs> and, uh, like, no, no one's, no one's going to stop me. And I didn't even know Zahid was like in the finals or nothing. And he, he had won like the U S nationals. So he was in the finals of the, the trials. He had to buy. And so I, I just show up. And I'm not like really prepped at all. I just like rolled up, <laughs> Wait, wrestled what I weighed at, like exactly what I weighed, didn't cut weight. And then, uh, so I, I had to wrestle like five matches with like tough dudes. I wrestled like uh, a bunch of just a bunch of college guys and stuff. And like Emery Parker, I think was who I wrestled in the finals. Like he was tough. I wrestled like uh, Bobby Stevenson, Gable's little brother. Like I had, I had five like solid matches. And then I was like, and I was like, kind of the matches like went a little harder than I expected. I expected just to run through them tech and fast. At one point I like got put on my back. I'd like fight hard off my back. I was up eight Oh and I went to gut wrench one guy like uh, to tech him and he like stepped over me, almost pinned me. So I had to like fight super hard. And then we had best two, best two out of three um, in the later that day. So I was on my sixth and seventh match and Zahid like came in fresh, ready to freaking scrap. And I was way overlooking him. I was like, I don't even like this kid, this dude, like <laughs> I'm gonna be competitive with him. And he beat he, he beat me, right? Like, so he, you know, he beats me. He ends up taking silver at the junior world. He like, beat you two of, straight or two a uh, three of matches? No, it was it was like the first match wasn't even close. It was like six to one. He like took me down, got wrenched me, and then took me down again in the second. Like I wasn't even really in it. And then the second match was like a close match. It was three to, I think he beat me three to two. Um, and it was like a, a bad, I think it was like a bad call. Like we got like two right away and we didn't challenge it. Cause it was like the first 30 seconds and then, uh, or something like that. I can't remember, but he, he beat me too straight. And so that was like another just embarrassing moment for me. I'm, and he was like mad hype afterward, like clapping his hands, like flexing and stuff. And I was just like, so pissed because immediately in my head, as soon as the matches ended, I was like, I shouldn't even be here. Like, I didn't even train. Like, I just rolled up. Like, this is, like, to put a performance out like that was, in my mind, just beneath me. Because it was to a guy that I felt like I never should have lost to. 
tough competitor. Like I'll give him credit. Like he's good. But in my mind, like should not have been put myself in that situation. And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like I'm thinking just like, I think about the miles Martin loss, the miles Martin loss hurts a lot worse, but that was another one where I was like, I'm getting this one back. Like we'll run it back at some point and it's, it's in my mind. So I'm always, I was always like, I always think about the, those type of things when I'm training. So we get, we get to the trials, uh, semis last April and I had a ton of issues. I like, I don't even want to say them all because like, it's so, it was like so crazy that I was even there at that point, 10, day, 10 days before the Olympic trials, I tore my MCL 80%. So at 80% toward an MCL 10 days out of the Olympic trials, I really hadn't trained that whole year because I had two herniated discs in my back. And so like, I was like in and out of the doctor's office. Like I was like 90% of the way to getting surgery. And, uh, I, I visited, I finally got another, uh, what do you call it? Like doctor to check me out. And he was the head surgeon for the Steelers. Um, and so he was like, you know, like kind of suggested I don't get surgery, which, so at that point I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to have to try to figure out to, I'm just going to try to figure out like and deal with this the best I can. So I didn't really train much that whole year, tore my MCL 10 days out. My first match, I had to wrestle my teammate, Carter Starachi, and I scratched my cornea. So I can't see out of my right eye. So like, it's just stupid. Like all the stuff that's happening. Yeah. Like it's just dumb, honestly. Like I, I hate to even list it to say it, but like I'm retired now, so I don't really care. Right. Right. And, and so like, I, I, if I was still wrestling, like I would never say this stuff, but dealing with all this stuff. And I was like, I don't give a crap. I'm beating this guy. Like it doesn't matter. And so get up on him right away. He comes back. And then of course, like, uh, it comes down right to the end. So actually a couple of weeks before that, I lost to Gabe Dean in a Rockman match. He beat me and I, I like literally, he beat me three to two and I pushed him out to like take the lead as time went out. It was like time, boom, pushed him out. And like, I missed it by like a millisecond, but I started my sprint with like less than 20 seconds left in that match. And then I got him with like literally no time left. So I remember Zahid went up on me, uh, like seven to six or seven to five, something like that with 45 seconds left. And I'm just like, I'm going now. Let's do it. And like, I hadn't even really, I don't think I took a shot. Why didn't they let you challenge that? That was so weird. Oh, in the Rockman one? No, no. At the trials, you you tossed the brick because it maybe was only one. And they looked like they didn't let you challenge it. It was weird. Yeah, they didn't. So I I don't know why, um, but they basically like, it it was only one for sure. And I I was just like, kind of, I wanted him to throw the brick, but then I was like, I was glad they took it back because I really felt like I had him yeah. like, like, uh, I, I just got the gas tank like that. So I don't, I didn't really feel like he had it. And so I just kind of like got back to the center and I was like, whatever, let's go. And so then I'm like going to take my first shot of like the whole tournament with a torn MCL. <laughs> and of course, lefty high, I see my bread and butter, get his leg, run him right out of bounds with it, go back up, take the lead. And, uh, that was, I think at that point there was maybe 20 seconds left and I just felt, felt like he didn't have anything for me. Like he didn't have the strength, like he couldn't, like, he just didn't have that. He didn't have that horsepower to take me out. And, uh, but he still got slick stuff, you know? So it's a nice little like duck single leg type thing. And his head slides to the outside, which he doesn't really ever hit head outside shots. So his head comes the outside and 
it was weird because I was just so comfortable, so relaxed in that moment. It never, like, I was never tense. But I think about a tensed up, like, he probably would have finished. But I just relaxed. I've been here before. Chin whip, boom, right to his back. And, yeah, then I was like, it was, it didn't surprise me at all. I just knew he didn't have it. He didn't have it in him to, to take me out right there. It was like, before we even got back to the center, I, it was match over. And so when he got to my leg, I was just super relaxed still at that point. Dude, that chin whip. Well, that's another moment where I'm shouting in here. I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I knew how it went down, but not exactly. It's like, holy cow, man. That was a, uh, from a spectator point of view, it's like, you know, like, so once a tournament, there's like a quarterfinal or something going on where everyone stops. That was one yeah. of them. And that was, oh, that was amazing, man. And uh, this interview has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. We'll let you go. One last question, Bo Nickel. This podcast is called Wrestling Changed My Life. You're retired now, and it breaks my heart to even say that, but you, like you said, you're retired. You're now representing wrestling in UFC, about to be in UFC. You're going to be the next guy to carry the torch for us. You know, what's wrestling given you, or how has it shaped your life? Oh, man. Where do I start, right? I mean, I'll, I'll start with this. My, my grandfather, he wrestled in college, was a wrestling coach. My dad uh, wrestled his whole life, was a wrestling coach. I was on the mats before I could walk with a little singlet and shoes on. So, you know, I would say first and foremost, wrestling is in my blood. It's in my DNA. It's such a big part of who I am. And it's such a, I've probably spent more time in like watching wrestling, wrestling myself than, than anything else in my entire life. So for me, it's just, it's really deeper than what's what wrestling has done for me. It's so much. And it's, uh, really, like I said, it's, it's, it's in my blood, it's in my genetics, it's in my DNA. And I'll, I'll hopefully pass that down to my children at some point, And I'll make sure that, you know, they, they understand how great of a sport this is. I think that for me now with what, what wrestling is doing for, has done for me, I want to give back as much as possible. I'm pursuing a career in MMA and I really want to represent for the entire wrestling community. I know we are all so proud of our sport, so proud of our, our roots of where we come from, of what it means to be a wrestler and what it means to have cauliflower ears like these. Yes, so sir. I'm really, yes, sir. I'm really excited to just take, um, that wrestling, uh, mindset and bring it into, you know, a, a huge platform that is, that is the UFC and be able to compete against every other martial art and show that wrestling is the best wrestling is the most dominant martial art. Not only because I want to be the best, because I want to be a world champ, is because I want to do that for every single person that's ever wrestled, every single person that's a rest in the wrestling community that wants to support me. I'm doing that for all of us. So wrestling really has done everything for me. I love it, man. Let those folks know in the UFC, you're a wrestler. Every time you get in there, slapping those dudes around. We can't wait, man. Bo Nickel, you have been awesome. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to that episode with Bo Nickel. To support this podcast, please go to SpartanCombat.com to place your custom team apparel order for this upcoming season. All past episodes can be found at WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcast. We'll see you next week on Wrestling Changed My Life.